So today on the podcast, I have Jacqueline, who is a really good friend of mine. We've been friends for I don't even know how long. Many Uh, years. Many, many years. So Jacqueline, I have a really important question to ask you. Okay, tell me. Are you ready to spill the true crime tea today? I am so ready. Is it hot? It is so hot. (laughs) It is on fire. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited. I don't even know what case you're talking about. Well, like, like, I know you're going to obviously intro it, but I'm curious to know if I'm going to know what it is. So, you know, there's so many true crime podcasts on you, like you can find the same things everywhere. So I really wanted to find a case that I hadn't heard about. And I know you're such a big fan of true crime like me. I don't want to say a fan. That sounds weird. But well, like, but, but you're truly. interested in it like I, I am. am. Yeah. So I wanted to find a case that I hadn't heard about because I thought, you know what? Jacqueline won't have heard about it either. Love that. So today I'm going to tell you about the case of Catherine Knight. Do you okay. know anything about her? No, I don't even think I've even heard her name. It doesn't even sound familiar. So a little bit of a disclaimer here. This case will talk a lot about um, abuse, both physically and mental abuse, um, as well as possible um, sex crime victims. And there is a small part about animal abuse as well. Obviously, it is a true crime case, so there is going to be murder. There is going to be death. Just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. If you don't want to continue on, please don't. Um, obviously, we don't want anybody to be triggered by anything that's said on here. You're cool with that, right? Yeah, I'm down. All right. Um, so I'll just give you a little backstory on Catherine. Um, she was born in South Wales, Australia. She has five siblings, one of which is a twin sister. She never was really very close with much of her family, which will make sense later on because she's crazy. Um, But she was close with her uncle. That was really one of the only other people besides her twin sister that she was really close to. When she was 14, her uncle committed suicide. And after learning about the case, and obviously I want your input too, but it really seems like that affected a lot of her life. That would make sense. And her her father was a butcher, so he worked in like, you know, the meat packing factories in Australia. The fact that you had a little bit of a laugh behind her father was a butcher, ha ha ha, is a little telling, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Trust me. They all play in together. Okay. Um, but he also was an alcoholic. Okay. Cheers. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. I'm like, as I sit my vodka back down on the table. <laughs> no, um, but I think that played a lot into um, her childhood because he was always violent towards her mother. Um, there's also a lot of talk about how he used to use his violence to intimidate her mother into him actually like raping her. Wow. That's yeah. very sad. So I suppose if you like grew up with a childhood like that, you might turn out to be a little triggered by that and affected. And for sure, your life may change. But on the flip side, you know, with all of this stuff going on, her mom also like kind of played into it and would tell her children intimate details about like their relationship and sex and all of that. 
How traumatizing. Right? I was, I mean, I wouldn't even think to tell my child, like, hey, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> then she would also tell them about how much she hated having sex with them and how much she hated men. Hmm. So once, remember this, once we get further into the story. Okay. She, when Catherine got a little bit older, Catherine is telling her mom about, you know, her boyfriends and her relationships. And her mom basically told her, like, stop complaining and just do whatever they want. Okay. Very good <laughs> advice, mom. God. She felt like she had a very good um, supportive family, does yeah. she? <laughs> no. They sound She's, terrible. She spent a lot of time also when she was like a teenager helping her dad and siblings um, out, you know, in the fields, boning carcasses of animals. Okay. I think she was a little obsessed. A little. (laughs) They also talk a little bit about how like when she was in school and she would get upset by like something small, like someone broke her pencil these are just examples i'm making up but like little things she would freak out and one point she had attacked both a teacher and a classmate with weapons oh like that she brought with her to school i guess yikes but she was beside that i guess like a model student and she was rewarded for her behavior which i don't understand because then they go on and talk about how she couldn't read or write oh maybe they were just trying to pass her like each teacher was like get her out of here like she's doing great like and they just very out, possible. You know? so that was just kind of a little bit of history about her childhood how she grew up what are your thoughts like how do you think this would affect somebody um okay I mean, I just think of myself in any situation in which, like, you know, when I was younger, my parents would argue, and that's, like, uncomfortable, right? But if that was, like, a So awkward. Yeah, so awkward. But if that was, like, a constant in my life, and, like, not only is it, like, they're arguing, but they're, like, I don't know. The whole thing sounds bad. I would be pretty fucked up if it were me. So I can't blame her if she's a little, maybe wants to, you know, maybe she freaks out. Well, and she can't control it because you know what I mean. Like, I agree. A lot of trauma. You would think that, at. yeah, there is a lot of trauma going on, and um, but I, I just feel we'll get to it. But I think she took it a little too far. Okay. When she was a young adult, um, she ended up getting a job. I don't think it was with the same company her dad worked for, but it was along the same lines of like uh, a factory where they like butcher animals and things like that. She was a a good employee. She worked hard. And they even awarded her with her first set of butcher knives. Oh. Jacqueline, do you know what she did with those knives? Did she murder somebody? She didn't, but... What? She did make sure that they were hung above her bed for easy access in case she needed to. Okay, that's not the weirdest thing I've ever heard. What? So... Now I'll tell you a little bit about her, you know, her life as an adult and her relationships and things like Wait, that. you sent me all these photos. Am I supposed to be reacting to that? Not yet. Oh, okay. You don't have to look at it yet. So her, um, one of her first like major relationships was um, with David Kellett. And this was in 1974. So um, just to kind of go back a step, she was probably like 19 around here. So she was pretty young. 
Um, and the two of them ended up getting married. He had kind of a history of being an alcoholic. So I think that, you know, she grew up with a dad that was an alcoholic. And so, you know, she kind of got with the first man that she found and just so happened he was too. Um, Go with what you know, I guess, right? I guess so. But one of the things that struck out with their relationship, like they didn't have a ton going on, but it was what her mother said to him at the wedding. What was that? Are you ready for this? I don't know. Let me take a sip. Hold on. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. She said to him, and I quote, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing on her. She'll fucking kill you. So I just got goosebumps for real. And this is her mother. Can you imagine your mother saying something like that about you? No kidding. But also, I mean, she must have just been that crazy face already for her ma- own mom. Well, not that we- her mom is the most sane at anyway. But for her own mom to be saying that about her, she must be a crazy face. Right. And then hanging nice about your dad. Yikes. Yikes. I gave me goosebumps. Well, on their wedding night, she tried to strangle him. Oh. Well, and her reasoning for it. Do you, I mean, why would you think that this would happen? He did show up drunk to the wedding. So we'll add that in there. But why do you think she would have done that? I mean, because she was mad. Like she was mad. She was mad because he fell asleep and they had only had sex three times. Oh my gosh. Only three times. This guy deserved that. Her wedding night. It was only three times. She just decided, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to strangle you. Whoa. That's crazy face. But besides that, um, the rest of their relationship was pretty short-lived. So that was in 94. Um, In 96, they ended up having their first child. Um, But before that, while she had been pregnant with this first child, she got mad at him one night because he came home late and she thought he was cheating on her. So she burned up all of his clothing Oh, my God. And hit him in the head with a frying pan. What? Yeah. She does not handle stressful situations very well. This is only the beginning. (laughs) I, okay, you already said that their, you know, marriage was short-lived. So, and that this is the only beginning. I'm assuming there's more people. Oh, there are. There are uh, several more after this. Yikes. So, um, after she did that, he, he ended up going to a neighbor's house and they took him to the hospital and when she hit him with the frying pan, she actually fractured his skull, but somehow by some miracle, she talked about oppressing charges, but he came back home. Oh my God. Yes. Maybe she must be so manipulative as well as crazy. Some of these other men later on in the story, like, know about her history. So. Okay. For them to, like, still want to be with her is just crazy. Wow. She must be real good in bed. 
Sorry, <laughs> yeah. that's probably the most sexist thing I've ever said. But come, like, what else? I mean, like, ask something appealing about her. She's not an attractive woman. Oh, <laughs> I mean, sorry. I haven't even seen a picture of her yet. I'm you just should, gonna look, you up, look up a photo of her. Really now remember, this was in the '70s, so their style was yeah, a bit that's okay. Um, oh yeah, a bit different, a bit different style. That's for sure. <laughs> Got it. So okay. She's not the most attractive woman, but Snaggletooth for sure. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> After that happened, she had their child. Um, and David decided to leave her for another woman. Well, I can't imagine why. And this is kind of what set off a series of like mental hospitalizations for her. Oh, so I can't believe that that's only happening now. Cause I mean, well, I think back to the teacher that's weapons situation, but you know, after she found out that he had left her for this other woman, she was seen like going down the street with the baby carriage, thrashing it around, and with the baby inside. With the baby inside. Oh my god! She's and so crazy. she is insane. Like part of me almost wonders, like how quickly she flips a switch. Like, does she have bipolar or like something? So I'm obviously no expert on mental health, like not Either. even close. But it's like. <laughs> being bipolar is that something you can gain through trauma or is that something you're born with i could, i guess i don't know but I don't either that's a good question yeah we'll have to call in the medical experts next time <laughs> next time <laughs> <Find out. laughs> um but after this happened some people had reported it and she was admitted to the hospital with what they called postpartum depression oh I guess I, I mean, can kind of see that if the baby was involved. Yeah, I mean, that's a very real thing, and it sucks, and it happens to so many women, and it's so sad, but I do think there's more than that going on with her. Yes. <laughs> I mean, with her history of violence towards other people. Exactly. Like, I think it was probably, and again, we're not medical experts, but it was probably a good bet that she would end up with some sort of postpartum depression or something. Yeah. But, but alongside of many other things wrong many, many, many other things. <laughs> so with that hospitalization, she was in the hospital for like three weeks. Um, and when she was released, she shouldn't have been based on the next thing I'm going to tell you about. But she picked up the baby, went to the nearest train station, set the baby on the train tracks, <gasps> and went into town stole an axe and threatened to kill multiple people. So did she kill the baby? Or no. Did somebody, okay. Nope. Um, a man that was like working the train tracks ended up finding the baby and oh got God. her off the train tracks only minutes before the train came. Oh my God. That's like something like that sounds fake. Do you know and what I mean? The same day she was released. Oh, well, clearly whatever care she got at the mental hospital wasn't enough. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know much about like the Australian medical system, but I know here I've heard stories about like people going to mental, not mental hospitals, but like into the hospital for something related to like their mental health and 
if they're an adult, like sometimes there's just not much that the hospitals can make them do. Well, I think about too, like in the States, of course, I don't know anything about Australia either, but I mean, what I don't remember the like code it's called like 1095 or whatever it's called. But, um, when you're, you're admitted against your will for 72 hours, whatever that's called. Yep. Um, I don't think, I think it's more of like a detox than help, right? Like you get calmed down once you're calm and you're no longer a threat, you're like released, but you're not getting any help. Right. They're just trying to like keep you safe and keep everyone else safe for that period of time. So after this happened the same day, they took her back to the hospital. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. But the very next day she was able to sign herself out. Okay. See, this is makes me feel like she's very manipulative. Like, exactly. How can she convince a hospital to let her go after all of that? After she just put her baby on train tracks to essentially die. Oh my gosh. And did somebody take away her baby? I don't I did not find anything anywhere that any of the children ever got taken away from her. Okay. <laughs> I did find um a little bit Later in this, I did find where um, her, at some point, this ex, this husband, which turns out to be her ex, comes to help her when she has another, like, mental health issue. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, but a few days after this happened, so, put the baby on the train tracks, got an axe, <laughs> went to kill people. Jesus. A few days later, after she was released from the hospital by her own will... She um, slashed a woman across the face, uh, and then like a random woman, a random woman, okay, and then demanded that this woman drive her to find her husband David. What? I mean, at that point, just slash her across the face and steal her car. Don't ask for favors. You oh just, no, like... no. And the oh. woman, you know, started to drive her. Um, they needed to stop at a like service station I'm mm-hmm. guessing it would be like similar to a gas station but one that yeah. also mechanic um, and the reason she wanted to stop at that specific service station is because the mechanic had previously worked on her husband's car and her theory is that because this mechanic worked on his car this is why he could get away to cheat on her with another oh one. my god way to like Blame everyone but yourself, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is rational thinking, you know, this happened, so. Whoa, that's not even something that would come across in my thought process for anything. Like, because Dan were to cheat on me, I wouldn't be like, oh, he was able to do it because his mechanic kept his car. Let me go kill the mechanic or whatever she does. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't kill him, but let me go threaten the mechanic. Yeah. So during this time, you know, the woman takes her to the service station. She's waiting. But while this happens, she ends up getting the woman who got slashed in the face ends up getting away as you would do run as quick as possible. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So the police came and as they're, you know, trying to calm Catherine down, somehow she ends up getting a hold of like a child, a young boy. And holding him Not her child. Just not her child. child. She had a girl. So she ends up holding this little boy hostage. Who 
knows she had some sort of a weapon. I don't know what kind. It doesn't really go into details in any of the articles I've read. Um, But eventually the police were able to get her weapon away from her and take her into custody. Um, And then she is transported to a psychiatric hospital. Okay. (laughs) Again? (laughs) Yes. So she goes to the psychiatric hospital. I don't know how long she's there for, but when all of that is said and done, David decides that he's going to leave his girlfriend that he no. left Catherine for. No. Him and the girlfriend had just had a baby as well. Oh, God. So he leaves the girlfriend to move in with Catherine and Catherine's mother to help take care of her. I am shook. And just. Like, he had an opportunity to be away from everything. I know. And just to, like, recap this timeline, they got married in 1974. Uh-huh. This was in 1976. So they had been two years. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Crazy. I don't even know what to say, except for the fact that he is so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was free. I mean, you think the tea is hot now? Oh my god, like scolding. Just wait. Oh no. I don't know if I can handle all this. Okay, keep and going. It keep does, going. It does calm down a little bit for a while. <laughs> and then it just, you know, starts to boil again. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so she's released into David's and her mother. Actually, it wasn't her mother, it was her mother in law. Um, she's released into their care. And they end up moving to another town. Catherine gets a job. And four years later, her and David end up having another child together. Great. So One of those, like, <laughs> let's fix our marriage babies, I'm sure of it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so this seems to kind of be the end with Catherine and David. They stayed together another four years. So they were actually ended up married 10 years. Um, and then she ends up leaving him. Oh. Why? Um, I mean, you got a good thing going. You have somebody that will stay with you, even though you're batshit crazy. Yeah, I don't know. So like, you, should just, you know, take what you have. But no, she decides that she wants to move on. Okay. Well, I'm happy for David. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, I am too. At least he can have a peaceful life now, right? Yes. Now, remember these names, because as I'm reading through this, these articles and stuff and like gathering all of my notes... Mm-hmm. It, it gets interesting because, like, sh- I'm gonna. I this is the first relationship I've told you about. I'll tell you about three more. Okay, three more. Okay, <laughs> but it's David, David, John, John. <laughs> Whoa! So they're like four okay, men. We're gonna have to name. like. Okay, we're okay. We're gonna have to give them nicknames because you know me. I can't remember. First of all, I'm terrible at names anyway. But we're gonna have to call the current David you just finished David one. Yes, and then there will okay. be David too. Exactly, and then John one and John two. I'm just going to preface that now because I won't be able to follow along if you don't. John do that. two, he has a nickname. We'll use his nickname. Okay, I cannot wait to hear about that. Yes, keep going. <laughs> I have to grab another Corona. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's Corona time. So, after her and David got divorced, David one. <laughs> she she has three more boyfriends that 
you know, relationships and things like that before this crime is committed. Okay. Her next one is David too, David Saunders. So she went from David to David. Yes. Got it. And then ultimately John to John. Which got it. That sounds like a <laughs> that sounds like a call girl reference, but <laughs> oh, it totally does. <laughs> Didn't mean to throw that in there. <laughs> so they end up meeting in 1986, so two years after her and her husband are divorced. And she moves in with actually, I'm sorry, he moves in with her and her two children. Um, Wait, what did she? She had a girl as birth, and then yep. did she have a boy or a girl second? She had another girl. Okay. Um, so there's not too much with this relationship, um, but you know, they'd fight, and then she would kick him out, he'd move back in, <sighs> they'd fight Maybe again, too. Yeah. Um, but a couple important things to note. Um, about a year after they got together, she suspected him of cheating on her um, and kind of wanted to show him, like, if he got caught cheating, what she would do. So she took his two-month-old puppy and ultimately killed the puppy. Oh, my God. And, you know, we know that she worked in a butcher shop. That's completely different. I mean, I don't eat meat just because I don't want to. But, like... To kill a poor little puppy shows how look crazy. You did all the disclaimers in the beginning about <laughs> sexual violence. There's murder. He yeah. forgot to disclaim there was I, dog death, which is the most tragic thing that could I happen need to, to add me. That. <laughs> Let me add that to my notes. <laughs> yeah. This is the point where I had to go back in my notes and add to re-record the disclaimer because I forgot to add the part about the animal abuse. Um, so the disclaimer at the beginning of this was recorded separately. So she does that, but she, you know, tells him, and I'm not going to go into details about how she killed the puppy, but she says before she (laughs) does that to, to David too, she's going to knock him unconscious with the frying pan. So, whoa, that's her like weapon of choice. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Okay. So, you know, at least she's going to give him that benefit. She's going to knock him out first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, About a a year after that, they end up having their, her third child, her third child. um, Actually, it's his first, I believe. um, Another daughter. Okay. They they end up buying a house together. um, And if you want. What year is this on the timeline? Sorry. This is 1988. Oh, okay. Um, and if yeah, you want to bring those pictures up that I sent to you, okay, um, let me do that. the first picture is kind of a little bit about her style of decorating and um, their house kind of looked like together. Um, let me just describe really quick this photo that I'm looking at. Yes. And then I will tell you about a little bit more that's not in the photo. Okay. So <laughs> the photo I'm looking at is like the way I, what looks like it could be like a bedroom um and it's the ceiling and on the ceiling there are what looks like gardening tools like a rake and like a hoe and then like animal antlers on the back of a door i don't know it just is 
weird. Also, wood paneling? Come on. It's like some kind of like crude weapons. Like something you could use as yeah. a weapon. Absolutely. Like medieval like, weapon or <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna send me pictures of like her knives hanging from the ceiling from earlier. That's not yeah. what this is, but you definitely this is reminiscent to me of what she was doing with hanging her knives up on the yeah. ceiling. Yes, okay. definitely. Um, but yeah, as you alluded to, there's the the horns. There's also some animal skins that aren't in the picture. Um, she had some rusty traps that were used for like animal hunting that she would hang, and she would decorate the entire house like this. And it looks like from floor to ceiling because yes. <laughs> this stuff is hung on the ceiling. Okay. So that picture is her is their um, living room in the oh. house. Wow. It's hard to tell. It's a blurry it picture. It feels very welcoming for guests. It does. So <laughs> came over, had game night, couple, <laughs> couple drinks. You could. Can't wait to play Mario Kart and Flip Cup in that house. <laughs> yes. Just yeah. don't throw off. <laughs> um, so one thing led to another with their relationship. And of course, another argument ensued. Um... This was kind of the last straw with him. She hit him in the face with an iron. Uh, like a hot iron or a cold you know, iron? Say if it was hot. Um, I feel like one is worse than the other. <laughs> probably. She did stab him in the stomach with some scissors. Okay. She and just is resourceful. I'll give her that. Yes. <laughs> she always has a weapon nearby. Like, she's prepared. Definitely. So he left, came back a little while later. I don't know if it was days, however long it was, um, to get his things. And he found out that she had just cut all his clothes up. So he really didn't have much to come back and get. Oh, my God. She burned David one's clothes. She cut up David two's clothes. Got it. Yes. Um, Don't leave anything in her house. <laughs> so, and I don't really know what David two's job was, but... One of the things I read said that he went on a service leave. So I don't know if that meant he was in some sort of like military or what that meant. Um, okay. But keep in mind, all of the kids are with her still. Because remember, oh. none of her kids got taken. And now she has three. Yes. And one of them is hit. So he comes back after the service leave to see his daughter, but finds out that Catherine had taken out a restraining order on him. Oh, because he's the crazy one in this scenario, apparently. Which I think it's a restraining order. In Australia, I think they call it an apprehended violence order. Okay. So I'm assuming it's similar to a restraining order, but... Do we know what she said he did in order no. for that to happen? Okay. But he was not able to contact either her or his daughter. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, her, who cares, right? But not being able but the to daughter, her, that's sad, yeah. And knowing, and knowing all of this, and there's two other children, and they're still with her? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's the word of the podcast, that's the word of the day. It's like the peewee word of the day. Every time I say crazy, everybody has to yell, because this shit is crazy! <laughs> well, here in Minnesota, we say, that's interesting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota, the land of passive aggressiveness. <laughs> yes. It's an interesting choice of decoration she had. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that forever. You should. I catch myself like every once in a while. 
like, oh, I say that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I love it. So her next relationship with a John number one, John Chillingworth is his name. And this is in 1990. So um, just to step back, she had the third daughter in 1988. So this is about two years later. Okay. Um, They had a three-year relationship. Not much about their relationship. Actually, not really anything to report about violence, abuse, anything like that. Um, Other than they did have one child together, and it was her first and only son. Okay, so we're on child number four. Yes. Yikes. Does she? No. Well, you know, it doesn't, it's not like her sex talks were very effective in that, her upbringing. So she doesn't know about birth control. That's fine. No, she probably knew way more than most grown adults do at this point. I know. <laughs> way too many details, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but while she's in a relationship with John number one, She's uh-huh. pretty much been in another relationship with John number two. Oh, and so, she's the one worried about somebody cheating on her. Yes. So okay. she's been with John number two. John Price is his name okay. um, since 1988. So again, she had the third daughter in 1988. Oh. The son in like 1990. <laughs> so she's been cheating mm-hmm. on him on him throughout the entire relationship. Right. Okay. (laughs) So now we're on to John number two, John Price. Everyone that knew him well called him Pricey. I love that nickname for him. Isn't it good? Yeah, I do like that. He, He was in a previous marriage, you know, similar to Catherine in one way and drastically different in another. Um, they also had three children. Um, John John too had three children. Or John, John Pricey. Pricey. Pricey, yep. Pricey had three children. Um, at this point, Catherine has four, but he had three children with the previous marriage. We got um, like a Brady Bunch situation going exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but one of his children with his first wife was still with his wife. The two older children lived with him. Okay. Um, one thing that I thought was very strange was he knew about Catherine's past. He knew that she was a violent person. He knew some of the things she had already done, but he still allowed her to move in with him. Yikes. And his children. So and children. His t- the two kids, because the third one lived with a mom. So Pricey yep. had two kids living with him. Catherine moves in with Pricey with her, what, three Four. kids at that? Four kids, right, because she had one with John one. Yep. Got it. Um, okay. And I need, I need like a... Te- count like a people um but she moved in around like 1995 okay so it seems like all of the children actually really liked her um it doesn't seem besides putting the baby on the train tracks okay it seems like you know the i mean i know that was violent enough but it you know it seems like she actually did okay with the children after that Okay. So despite like, you know, her and Pricey would have some arguments and sometimes they would get violent. They seemed like they were pretty happy outside of that. To me, oh, and like if you're getting in a violent argument, you're not happy, but <laughs> Right. Okay, that's fair. But I also think that like couples argue. I mean, obviously 
different levels, right? Um, yes, they do. But that's like, I mean, you argue. I mean, if, if it's violent, that's probably a problem. But but I think to both of them, this probably seemed normal in a sense. Yeah. Like if he already knew she did this, she's been doing this for who knows how long. Since right. 1974. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of normal to her. Right. Okay. So I feel bad for their children. I do too. I do too. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm surprised it sounds like the children are happy, but I guess they were. Okay. So their relationship went on with, you know, not too much trouble. That was, you know, around 95, she moved in. So a couple years later, 1998, Mm -hmm. they got into a fairly violent argument because he said that he didn't want to get married again. Makes sense. She's got four kids. You know, at this point, like, I don't know. I think you could make any girl crazy. You think if if that's what you want, especially her. (laughs) Right. Especially her. She obviously needs the security of some sort of label because she's worried that everybody's going to cheat on her. And if you're together, what? They got together in 1995, she moved in, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they were they've together before that. They've been together since 88. So they've been together 10 years at this point. Yeah. And then for him to just be like, no, I don't want to get married. Yeah. That seems like, I know she's crazy face. So the switch that has flipped for her would be different than it would be for me. But, I mean, I've been with Dan like seven years or something. And if he today were to be like, I don't want to get married. I'd be like, excuse me, what? <laughs> like, I thought, <laughs> well, like, I thought that, that was the path we're headed on. Like, what's happening? Well, you and maybe, I mean? you know, obviously, if you don't want to go into too much detail, you don't have to. But I feel like at this point, somebody who had been in a relationship 10 years, like, the conversations probably came up before. Yeah, I, 100%. Whether yeah. it's, like, in, you know, a casual mentioning of it or a more serious conversation, but it's probably come up at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. So... I would see how she could, if if that's happened, and maybe he did say yes at one point, I could see how she would be upset and, like, take right. back by it or, you know, things like that. And, like, a normal human would just be upset and leave it alone. But what did she do? Well, this is the funny thing. Something that big with her history, you would think that she would have killed him at this point. Absolutely. She didn't do anything violent. <laughs> She was angry. (laughs) And and she did retaliate. But what she did is took video evidence of items that he had stolen from his work. He must have worked in the medical field or something. And when medical kits were outdated, he'd take them home. I don't know if... (laughs) But, I mean, if they're outdated, I mean, you probably can't do it, but... It's right. not like he's, like, stealing supplies that people would use. Exactly. So okay. I don't know if, if it doesn't sound like his company or his boss knew about this. So she took this video evidence and sent it to his boss. What a bitch. And so he, <laughs> at this point, his boss fired him. He had been with the company 17 years. Oh, my gosh. Which, I mean, I, okay. Question I didn't ask in the beginning. Does she work? I think she still actually worked for the same company. Like, I, th- oh, right. I feel like this right. entire time she's worked for the same place where she's chopping up the animals. Right. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, I, okay. But 
you just knocked out your second income to the household. Why would you do that? Exactly. Not that she's obviously a rational decision maker, but. It's all those children. Yeah. I mean, at this point, they have six children in one household. Oh, wait, did they have another kid? No, she has four and he has Oh, four, two. that's right, four. I, so keep getting, I keep forgetting about John 1 because nothing crazy happened except for the kid. Okay, Not much, no. I know he's kind of like... He's a little forgettable. In the wind. Except for his last name was Chillingworth, Chillingsworth Chilling. or whatever it was. And I'm like, yep. whoa, he has the last name Chilling. Like, Anyway, <laughs> go on. Um, so, you know, obviously this upsets him. He gets fired. So he kicked her out. She moved back home. And at some point, they eventually, like, rekindle their relationship and get back oh together. Gosh. How did she do this? But he was smart. He refused to let her move back in. Oh. Okay, that's good. So, at least on that end, he was smart. Um, his friends... I can't did- imagine that he... She was, like, okay with that, though. You know, probably not. Um, I mean, ultimately, what it leads up to, I'm gonna say no. But... Okay. <laughs> um, but his friends, you know, kind of didn't see it that way. And they really didn't want much to do with him after this. Wow. They figured, you know, if you're going to continue a relationship with her, we really don't want to be your friend anymore. Right. Um, first of all, if this were you and you were pricey and I was your friend, I would be dragging you kicking and screaming away from the situation. Just so you know, because... You're my best friend, and I cannot let that happen to you. <laughs> Just so you know. I would hope that, I mean, I wish that Pricey had had someone in his life to do that for him. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> because I think he really needed that. Yeah. I mean, I think he was a little, I don't want to say delusional, but like oblivious by the fact that he already decided to be in this relationship with her, knowing that she was... You know, love is blind, Randy. It was. It was for <laughs> the two. So, two years later, in February of 2000, remember, she's not living in the house. Okay. Um, I can't believe we've made it since the 70s to 2000 without a single murder. A but lot has happened. A lot has happened. <laughs> a lot more will happen. Oh, now the now the tea is like just kind of simmering. Mm-hmm. It'll get boiling again. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, in 2000, a series of violent assaults start happening on Pricey by her, of course. Okay, I was like, are they random? Are they by her? And it's and it's pretty much the entire month of February. Okay, like every single day she's doing something new and not every day but it's just one after another after another and they just escalate from there yikes okay so one night in february she gets upset with him um i don't really know why she just gets upset and stabs him in the chest with one of the various tools or you know I'm not quite sure. Whatever fucking weapon she has at the time. (laughs) But she just got upset. (laughs) All right. Because that's a normal reaction when you're upset. Yeah. Um, Was it lethal? Was this the murder? Or is this not even it yet? No. Okay. Um, So this put him over the edge. Of course, he kicks her out, tells her she can't come back. Um, On February 19th, 
he ends up taking out a restraining order against her to stay away okay. from him and the children. Okay. Good. <laughs> Same afternoon, he tells his coworkers, if I don't come to work the next day, Catherine killed me. Oh my God, that gave me chills. That's so like the mom telling them, everybody knows she's going to kill, except for her. Exactly. And, you know, this kind of goes back to what you were saying about his friends and how his friends didn't really want much to do with him anymore. But his coworkers, they pleaded for him not to go home. They told him to go home. I would have not let you go home. Just so you know. But he kind of justified it with them and said that he was worried if he didn't go home, she would kill his children. Oh, yikes. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's not just about him. He also has those kids to take care of. So he was really worried about that. Right. So throughout the next, I don't know what the timeline is. It was, it all happened so quickly, but you know, Catherine does some stuff. She goes and buys some lingerie um, and then goes to his house and while she's there waiting for him she makes some little videos with the children where she's just bullying them and making you know rude comments to them and just kind of belittling them so after that she decides that she's going to uh, send the kids off to a friend's house for the night so they can spend the night with a friend so, this is not looking good. Pricey comes home. He finds that, you know, the kids aren't home and the kids were, are sleeping at a friend's house. So he figured, well, I have a free evening. I'm going to go hang out with my neighbor. So he goes and hangs out with a couple neighbors and comes back home and goes to bed around 11 p.m. So all is well in their world. Sure enough, Catherine shows up at his house a little while later. She must have had a key, let herself in, uh, watched some TV, took a shower. Now, this order sounds a little odd to me, but this is the order it was in. Okay. She watched some TV, she took a shower, and then she gets into bed with Pricey and has sex with him. So, (laughs) yeah, first of all, shower before sex? What are you thinking? (laughs) Um, But... To me, it's not like he didn't hear her come in and start watching TV. Was it a secret she was there or? I don't think so. No, I think she must have had a key. She must have just, which seems strange because he had a restraining order. Right. But as we can guess, she's probably so manipulative and worked her way back in. Very true. Yeah. So... Go on, sorry. To go back, though, a second. If she sent the kids away to go sleep at someone's house... That would be so suspicious. But doesn't that show some sort of, like, premeditation? Like, she planned to do this. Well, is this the night of the murder? Because if it is, then absolutely. Night of the murder. Yeah. That is definitely premeditated. Okay. So, in my humble uh, professional opinion, which I know we're, we're <laughs> professional true crime investigators, yeah, <laughs> sitting on our couches, <laughs> drinking exactly. Okay. All right, 
Wouldn't that be a fun job? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> so, according to the evidence, sometime between when he went to bed at 11 and 6 a.m. the next day, and now it's March 1st, so okay. that's where the timeline gets a little strange, um, but Catherine had done the following. And I'm going to read an, an report that I have um, that actually is from one of the crime scene investigators. Okay. His name is Detective Senior Constable Peter okay. Anthony Musio. Such okay. a fancy name. Very fancy. Um, and he was the first officer to enter the home after the initial discovery of his body. So what happened before he got there was a neighbor tried to check on Pricey because he saw his car in the driveway around 6 a.m. and he would normally be gone for work around that time. Right. Um, they knocked on his door and on his bedroom window. And when they knocked on the door, they ended up seeing blood. So they so, called. The let me just interrupt here really quick. I'm sorry. Yes. But it's interesting that the neighbor would do that because like he would have had to say because they hung out the neighbor him and the neighbor hung out probably the day before right yes do you think that he pricey told the neighbor the same thing he told his co-workers like if you know i wonder if he made a comment especially because pricey came home he saw that the children were sent to their friend's house and went to the neighbor's house so i wonder if at some point he made a comment about it. Like, that's strange. Because I don't think I would go, I mean, like, check on my neighbor or even friend, really. Like, like if I didn't know otherwise, right? And, yeah. like, your car was still, like, I'd be like, oh, maybe she's not feeling good. She called out sick. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. for, so for her, him, the neighbor to, like, go and check on him, to me, is a little crazy. Yeah, I wonder if somewhere along the lines, like, the neighbor knew more about what was going on. Right. It sounds like they were maybe pretty good friends, too, especially because he, you know... Had no friends, except for the neighbor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Peter Anthony Musio is the first person on the premises after this discovery of his body. Um, he tries to kind of piece together what he thinks happened... So the next statement is, I'm not going to read it word for word, but all of these are from things that he actually said. This whole okay. thing is like a page and a half long quote. I'm not going to read the whole thing. That's fine. <laughs> there are some important things too. You can post it to your Twitter. So if people want to read it, you know. I will do that. Um, so about 10 a.m. that morning, he comes with another sergeant on the premises. They... Um, end up going through I believe it's the backyard um, yeah it says they go through to the rear of the premises and he notices a piece of meat sitting out on the lawn um, he thinks that's kind of strange he looked at it and he collected it as some sort of evidence for testing why he thought to do that I don't know but it's a good thing that he did yeah during this exam, he takes some photos. He takes a picture of the meat before they enter the house. Mm -hmm. So they enter the house and go through the rear door of the kitchen. Once they enter the door, they see what appears to be a large piece of skin. No matter what's going on around 
hanging from the doorway leading to the living room from the kitchen. Did she skin Pricey? The skin was from the door frame to the floor and appeared to be one entire piece of skin. Yikes. So she ultimately, and you know she's she's a, a butcher, so she's right. used to working with animals and skinning animals, I'm sure. Oh my god, she skinned him. Carefully removed his entire skin in one piece. Oh my god. The time it must have taken. And she only had from 11 to 6. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I maybe if she's skilled, maybe it doesn't take that long. Ugh. So looking through that doorway into the living room, she saw, or he saw, a body with no skin and no head. Oh, yikes. I know. Like laying on the ground? Like, sorry, I don't mean to get super it detailed, actually, but like... And this is from another article that I read. She actually had almost like posed his body sitting cross-legged with an empty like two liter bottle of soda and an, a picture with a note on it. What did the note say? The note was a little hard to like read like comprehend what it meant uh -huh. um, but I'll get I'll get to that part okay sorry at some point it was just very and it, maybe it's a language gap thing it was hard to understand exactly what she was trying to say but basically it was somewhere along the lines of him raping her daughter and this is what you get which uh, there yes. no, there's nothing anywhere that shows that that ever happened, that there was ever an accusation that that happened outside of this note. She just wanted something to blame, like self-defense like, or something. I feel like that's what happened. Yeah. So as this investigator walked through, um, he obviously saw a lot of blood everywhere. Um, he noticed some blood from the bedroom through the hallway. Um, when he goes in the bedroom, he, they actually end up finding Catherine, and she had taken a bottle of pills. Oh. So she had done this, and then also tried to either commit suicide or, you know, maybe cover it up. I don't know. Yeah. Did she live? She did live, yes. Oh, and we will wow. get to her sentencing and all of that. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I think, you know, and we spent a little bit of time in the beginning talking about her past relationships or growing up. But I think that's important to call out, like, knowing how this could have happened, where it came from. Yeah. So they go into the kitchen and end up finding several things. Um, they find a, a pot um, that was still relatively warm that has some vegetables in it, a um, like a, a gravy of sorts, and Pricey's head. <gasps> like she was gonna eat it? Well, the theory is, and they're not entirely sure, but the theory is that the meat that was in the yard was actually something that she tried to eat and she couldn't do it. 
And so she put in the yard. Like, was it meat from his body? Yes. Oh. I know. (laughs) It's a a bit much. I should probably put a disclaimer at the beginning about cannibalism. Yeah, also. But I I didn't want you to know about it, Jacqueline. (laughs) That is fair. I am shook. I needed a, a real reaction. I am. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Can you? Um, can you believe you haven't heard about this? Too. I cannot believe I've never heard about this. Crazy insanity. Oh. Um, so next to the stove, there are um, some some meals that are actually prepared. Like ready to ready to go. Um, there's some some meat, potatoes, various vegetables, along with some gravy. And was she trying to meal prep with her husband's remains? Well, she actually had them two plates ready to go, and on the pieces of paper next to each plate were the names of his children. Was she going to feed him to his children? Shh, I believe that was her plan. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> I know. I know. Not with this woman. So, you know, besides the various blood they found everywhere else, that was kind of the, the bulk of it all. Um, they did find, so if you bring up the next picture I sent you, um, that's kind of a map of the house. Oh yeah, like a floor plan, okay. Yeah, so they can show you where, like, they think that she did this starting in the bedroom. She stabbed 37 times. That is a crime of passion. Stabbing anybody 37 times to make sure they're dead. That's crazy. So, they believe that it started there. He tried to get out. So if you can see where the number one is, and then uh-huh. it like flows down towards the door, he, that's oh, yeah. where the neighbor actually found the blood outside the door. Oh, because he was so trying to leave. He had tried to get away, and she pulled him back in the house <sighs> and into in through the living room to the kitchen. <sighs> oh my gosh! And like. When- what? The last picture, you can look at that one too. That one's a little more shocking, just to warn you. Oh, yeah, I see. That's, I believe, the rug to the front door. Or it could be the hallway. I'm not sure. It didn't really say, but it, just to show you, like. I mean, that's a lot of blood. I can't. I was just about to ask, like, oh, would she, she must have been so strong to be able to bring him back in the house, but seeing all that blood, it's. Probably he was so weak because, you know, he was dying. Exactly. I mean, it sounded too like a lot of the stabs were too vital organs. So, you know, it's hard. You know, things that would cause him to die pretty quickly, which uh, unfortunately, I hope that that's the case because this is an awful crime. God. She did she have a reasoning on why she picked that night to kill him? Did I miss that? Um, she didn't really. It have was just probably another argument, but it was any a sort of reason. Yeah. Um, she just, you know, something set her off that one night, and 
that was that. Um, they do go on a little bit to talk about, um, like motive and things like that. And the, really the only thing that they call out for the most part is that handwritten note that she had written on that picture. And Mm -hmm. I'll read to you what it says, but remember she's also at one point was illiterate at one point couldn't write. So I think that's also part of the reason why it's hard to understand what she's meaning. Right. Uh, So Beck is the name of his daughter. Okay. And um, his son is named Jonathan. So his son is named after him. Okay. So the note says, time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. To you, Beck, for Ross. I don't know who Ross is. For little John. Now play with little John's dick. (laughs) What? I don't know that I mean it's it's hard to understand but that's it that's all it says that's what the note said weird so that was kind of where they went with motive I guess um although they make a lot of claims that there was no evidence that that ever happened so on to her sentencing, because it's pretty darn obvious at this point that she's the one that did it. Oh, um, I mean, cra- craziness aside, like, the killing is the work of a butcher. And, like, do you know what I mean? Like, even yeah. if there wasn't any past history of anything, the fact that the killing was similar to what she would have done at her, like, job alone says that she did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this is my favorite part. I have to redo this. Um, So remember Detective Musio, he's the first one that's there on the scene. This is a quote from him, and this is the only like actual quote that I'm going to read because I think it's so funny. And all of this, we need a little bit of humor. (laughs) Um, I remember walking down the hall, and at the shoulder height, there was all this blood spatter on the wall. To me, it's indicative of each attack. He was fighting for his life. The bloke just had a bonk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> In bed, wakes up, then stab, stab, stab. Wow. That's so, a direct quote. Yes, that is a direct <laughs> quote. So, I mean, it's not funny. I feel no, awful not. for all but, the victims and everything, but. Of course. To wake up and stab, stab, stab. Just wake up and stab, stab, stab. Um, and it does sound like when they did the autopsy, he was actually dead before she, you know, removed all of his skin and all of that. So thank you for that, at least. Yeah. Um, but kind of go on to the sentencing, because this is what I thought was really interesting. Um, because she was actually the first woman ever in Australian history, and by this point, I don't know, but this was only 10 years ago, right? to, to be convicted of life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. Oh, wow. The they probably don't do the death sentence there today. In Australia. Wow. But before we got to that sentence, she did plead guilty to manslaughter. Well. Which was rejected by the courts and changed to murder, which she pled. Yeah, I was going to say manslaughter. <laughs> That would have, you know, shown that he did something to make this happen. And I yeah. don't think that happened. No. So when they were trying to select a jury for this case, 
several of the jurors um, actually um, wouldn't take the case. They had 60 prospective jurors. Oh, and wow. only five would accept to serve on this case. Oh, how many? Do they need 12 like they need in the States? I'm not sure. I couldn't find anything on that. Um, okay. But ultimately, they didn't have a trial by jury because okay. when they read the witness list aloud, several of those five people ended up dropping out. Oh, wow. And I'm wondering if it was, it doesn't say who was on the witness list, but I'm wondering if it was her and they didn't want to listen. Uh, get murdered? <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> um, but the other people before that dropped out because of all the photographic evidence. Oh. And yeah, they probably they didn't like to see. Yeah. And now I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> uh, I can't, I, you know, that's not anything I've ever thought about. In fact, I was supposed to have jury duty this week, but hello, quarantine, I'm off the hook. Um, and I never thought about, because to me, I, I thought you just get assigned, right? I didn't know that you had an option to be like, I don't think I could handle this. But of course, like why they wouldn't want to like put somebody through something that would be right. tragic for them. I mean, I think if you did it consistently at some point, they would be like, wait a second. Yeah. But it also sounds like from like previous experiences that friends of mine have had, like a lot of times when you get chosen, it doesn't even mean that you're going to go and serve. Yeah, like, that's true. A lot of time you're on call and things like that. Right. So, so she ended up not having a trial by jury. The attorney spoke with the judge and Catherine ended up changing her plea to guilty. And I feel like she did that to maybe get a lesser sentence. Yeah. But by doing that, it actually made the job for her attorneys difficult because they planned to plea that she was insane. Oh. So when the judge heard that she wanted to change her plea to guilty... He decided to have a psychiatric evaluation. Okay. And the psychiatrist supported her claim that when all this went on, she said that she didn't remember it. And they supported that that might be possible, but they said she was perfectly sane and able to plead guilty and know what the consequences were. Okay. They said she was perfectly sane. Did they take into consideration her well, entire history of crazy? Maybe not perfectly sane, but capable enough to know okay, fine. that by pleading guilty, she's saying she she killed him. Like she knows what purpose. she's doing. Yeah. Um, but they did think that somehow she might have had some sort of trauma when doing it that caused her to forget she did it. Yeah, and I think Which, that that's pretty normal. I think even just for normal people, like if you, well, you know end up doing something or having some sort of tragedy happen to you, I think your brain tries to block it out as like a defense. Well, and also if she had like tried to overdose on pills. Oh, true. That yeah. could cause her to forget some stuff. I well, would think. You know, who knows when she took the pills? Maybe she took them before. She took a couple, more, or, couple later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so then on November 8th, so this is in 2000, Okay. With no jury, obviously, she right. ended up being sentenced by the judge, Judge O'Keefe, who stated that her lack of remorse required a penalty that was as severe as the crime. Right. So 
that is why she was the first woman in Australian history to be convicted to life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. Right. And I, I think I just said this, but Australia probably doesn't have the death sentence, right? No, I don't think they do. Right. So in 2006, she tried to appeal her sentence, saying that it was too severe for her crime. Okay. <laughs> there were three justices on that appeal. And... Um, Justice McClellan was like the main one. He wrote a judgment to the court saying that the crime was appalling, almost beyond contemplation in any sort of civilized society. Therefore, they were not going to accept her uh, appeal. Good. Yeah, she should not be let out of jail. Could so, you imagine if she is like the most master manipulator that she manipulates the government into like lessening her sentence or even releasing her? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So... That's kind of, you know, the end of the case, the end of, you know, where Catherine is. She is still in prison. Um, she's a little old lady now. <laughs> like, it's great yeah, I mean, to think about. Um, she's what, 64? Born 60, in... 60... I don't know. What year was she born? Well, she got married to David in 74, and she would have been like she 19. Was 19. Okay, I don't know math, but she's definitely 1670. <laughs> she was born in, it's here somewhere, 55. So she would be 60. No, she'd be 75 now? I don't know math, but yeah. 60. She'd be 65. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I, do math. That, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. That is the craziest story I think I've been walked through. But ever. can you believe that you haven't heard about this? I know. And I've taken so much true crime. And there are so many crazy cr stories, obviously. Um, but this is like watching the progression of somebody who's just started as insane. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And like the slippery slope she was on. And it like, you know, the well, second she slipped, it was like she was gone. <laughs> That's why I thought it was so interesting to hear about like her backstory and like the things that she had been through and then to hear like how it progressed. I mean, not that people don't just commit crimes because they're crazy, but right. like how that can affect their lives and like really change things. Gosh. <laughs> I thought it was crazy and I don't and I'm glad she's still in jail. I hope that never changes. I don't know if she's going to try and... Well, I guess she can't now, right? If she already tried to fight her. I think you can only... Well, at least here in the United States, I think you can only appeal so many well, times. Well, like, yeah, so because it goes up the court system. Yeah. So I'm sure it's similar. But, wow, that's just crazy. She's insane. I wonder what, like, what her children are doing now. Are they okay? That's a good question, because I would think at this point, you know, they would be adults. I mean, her first child was born in, her first child was born in 76, so they would be... Yeah, they're like Dan's age, like 40 or something. So, I don't know, and, you know, who... I suppose they would have been old enough to not live with her at this point, except for right. the youngest... Yeah, I mean, but you know, who knows their lives, right? Like, people live with their parents and well into their 30s if they have nothing yeah. going for them. 
But, well, you know, because it is interesting that they said that the they were kids were staying the night somewhere that night, right? Yeah. So, maybe high school or something? I mean, well, that was his kids. Oh, right. Okay. But, I don't know, it's just crazy, like... I've you know what's going to happen like, now? What? Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. But <laughs> I'm going to rabbit hole in the Google search of all of her children for the next five hours. I already know it. You should. Um, I know one of their names was... I didn't really bring up their names because I was like, I don't know if I should. But anyway, I just think a lot of the evidence shows that it was 100% premeditated. I mean... Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, she sent her kids away. Yes. Like, I mean, she had to have had, I mean, because she didn't live there anymore, so she probably packed all of her butcher tools to be able to do all that, you know? Because it's not like you're just using one knife. I don't know. Yikes. What a mess. So, yeah, I think that, uh, I think we got the, the tea boiling again. I know, the tea was hot. All right, so this has been the first of many episodes of True Crime Tea Time. Thank you for being on, Jacqueline. Thank you for inviting me. First of all, honored to be your first guest. Yay! Um, And, you know, this is right up my alley, so I'm excited for the next episode already. All right, well, we'll be spilling the tea again another week. Can't wait.